Hey guys, and welcome back to Posh Gotney TV. My name's Liam Norval, and this is Living the Dream. And today's guest, well, you're in for a treat. Three-time championship jockey. He's won 500 group races, over 3,000 winners in his career. He's one of the biggest names in sport ever. His name is Frankie Dottori. Let's have a chat with him. I am delighted to be joined on Living the Dream by a friend of mine, and uh, you would know him as one of the most well-known sporting personalities the world has ever seen. Frankie Dottori, how are you? Morning, Liam. I'm good, yes. Um, plus, we are football mates, and I know we support different teams, but... Uh... We'll leave that for later on in the programme, I'd say. Let's get, let's get that out there now. I mean, look, I'm a Tottenham fan. You're an Arsenal fan. We've met many times and you've given me lots of grief over the years. <laughs> yeah, correct. I think we, we, we equal this uh, at the moment. Uh, our teams are not exactly uh, firing on all cylinders, but uh, yeah, it's a bit of fun. It's been quite weird watching it behind closed doors, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, no fans seems to have helped Tottenham a little bit, but uh, you guys seem to, you know, have a bad season but still pick up silverware. So I'm, I'm very envious. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for something. Anyway, I think Arteta's doing a good job. So look, living the dream is all about speaking to people like yourselves that have accomplished amazing, amazing things. And my listeners and viewers would love to know what it takes to be the best. So let's go. Let's get straight into it. So growing up, watching your father Gianfranco uh, as, as a very very good jockey did you always know you was going to be a jockey uh, two things well obviously I was born on a horse you know, from, you know from the day I can remember I was always I was always put on a horse and then I started in pony club and uh, not being very good academically so I thought well my easy way out of school is uh, is I was quite small as well to, to become a jockey. Obviously, when I was looking at my father, he had a Mercedes in the drive, he had a villa, so, you know, he, uh, he was an inspiration to me. And um, so that's how you basically all started. And, uh, but my dad set a very big benchmark. You know, he was champion jockey 13 times. He won thousands of races. So I actually never thought that I, it was possible to be like him. You know, uh, I, I think it was, it was a bit too far to, to, to achieve what he achieved. So uh, I, I started off uh, ambitiously to, you know, obviously you started off and you won your first winner and then uh, you want to be champion apprentice. So you start, you start, I started off step by step, you know, and then, uh, and then it was very obvious by the time I, I was 16, 17 and uh, I was, you know, I, I stood out, you know, I... You know, I was a young, young, young jockey, but uh, you know, I you could you could pick me out of the the the, the boys' races, and uh, and then it's a little bit of like a, a snow, snowball effect. Um, the more you win, the more you get confident, and the more you want, and the more you want to win, and and you know, the snowball become bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I mean, we're probably gonna go through it later on, me and you, but you know, to a point that now it's an avalanche, you know, just you know, just things kept on coming. So, but believe it or not, when, when you asked me in the early days, you know, I didn't expect to, 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 um, to become this big. It only just happened step by step. Can you, can you remember back in uh, 1987 when you won your first race, what, what that feeling was like? Yeah, I remember it very well. 
I was um, was 16. Um, um, I was writing a filly called Lizzie Hare, and she was named after the secretary. She, the secretary, actually, Lizzie, she drove me. And um, so I went racing with her. And, uh, you know, I was riding with my hero, Steve Cove and Pat Henry, and I managed to beat them both on the line at Goodwood. And uh, I remember, non- you know, it's a three-hour journey back to Newmarket. I don't think I drew breath explaining the race to Lizzie, how, how I'd done it all. And I think this went on for about a week, you know. Uh, uh, yes, uh, of course, you know, any, I guess, like a footballer, when the score scores their first goal, you never, you never, you never forget it. And then, and then a few years later, 1990, you know, you, you won 100 races in one season. Did you know at that point that you could do anything in racing? Well, I'll be honest with you, um, yeah, basically by, by the time I go to 18, I was already, you know, I was, you know, I was breaking records and, uh, and I think I broke Leicester's record by a couple of months. The youngest jockey to win 100 races. So that was a big milestone. I'll be honest with you, at the time, I didn't really know. I was just, I was just told by one of the pressmen. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I was really, I went, I went from just being a rookie at 16. By the time I was 18, I was the top three jockeys in the country. So you, you arrived so quick. And I was appointed first jockey for Kamani. And, um, and I think that very season, I had my first group one winner. So uh, 1990 uh, was, was, was a good year for me. Yeah, fantastic. And then when did the trademark flying dismount start? And how did it come about? Well, basically, I was um, just rolling back the years a little bit. When I was uh, 16, 17, 18, and 19, those four winters, I, because nothing, we didn't have all weather racing in those days. So the, the winter in Newmarket were, were quite bleak. So uh, my dad and Luca Kumani, the trainer, they decided to send me to America for three months. And, um, you know, two things, because... Racing in America is lo- all, all, it's all about the time and pace. And then also um, the, the, the American style of riding is a lot more aer- aerodynamic than ours. You know, they, they really ride behind the neck to, to cut the wind. So I was there really on, on, a, on a learning basics. You know, I wasn't doing much riding. Of course, I was riding in the mornings, but I wasn't doing much race riding. And uh, I think that really... Uh, really was evident in the later years that played a big part because obviously I'm not bad about judging the pace and and my style of riding uh, uh, you know I'm very much aerodynamic a bit like uh, the 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 GP drivers you know just you know sit sit behind the horse's neck and um, so there was four amazing winters and uh, obviously in the afternoons I was intrigued by the American racing I was in Santa Anita where they filmed the Blue Sea Biscuit, and um, and there was a jockey called Angel Cordero, and uh, you know he was a hero of mine. And uh, when he used to win the big race, he used to jump off. Right. So I kind of uh, like an imposter. I I stole it from him and took it to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I didn't really use it. Uh, I did it several times in the morning, messing around. But uh, it wasn't until '94 I won my first Breeders' Cup. In America, then, then I kind of forgot all, all about it. And the trainer said, "Oh, why don't you jump off the horse?" And, and I did it. Yeah. And uh, and I didn't realize what I started because uh, uh, at first, you know, you know, the English Jockey Club were very stiff in those days. 
you know, they didn't like it. They wanted to find me. They wanted to stop me. I was, I was a big hullabaloo for months. And, uh, but then funny enough, years later now, they encouraged me to do it. And, and uh, when, when people come to the races, if I don't do it, they start booing. So <laughs> I kind of slave of my own, uh, of my own thing. So, uh, but it's a little bit of fun. Uh, obviously, some horses, they're a bit too nervous. You can't do it. But in general, you know, it's a bit of fun and, and it's, it goes down really well. Well, I'm sure I personally love seeing it and I know everyone else does as well. You're, you're loved by millions. Let's talk about 1996, which is probably one of the biggest days in your career, the Magnificent Seven. Can you explain and express your emotions from that day? I mean, wow, what an achievement. Well, you know, because now I forget it's 28th of September 96 has changed my life. Um, I mean, I... And going back, you know, obviously I woke up in the morning and I, I had seven rides and, and I'm going through it. And uh, basically I thought, well, I, think the, I should, should win the first. The second had no chance. The third was the big race. Well, you know, I got a chance of winning. Fourth, impossible. Fifth, not a clue. Sixth, I got a chance of winning. So I thought, well, out of seven, three possible, like, you know, but obviously out of the three, when you think like that, sometimes you come out with one. Yeah. But sometimes you come out with nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, what I do remember is it was that day I can divide it in three different events. Obviously, first, first one, second, I was lucky. And third was the big race, was the Queen Elizabeth. And don't forget, the Queen only gives you the trophy for that race, the Queen Elizabeth and the Gold Cup. So it's a big deal, you know, getting the trophy off the, from, from the Queen. And so that was like my first part of the day. So I won the first three. Then four, five, I don't remember much. I was still on cloud nine from the, the, for the other races. And then race six, then, uh, right, my hands started to get sweaty because I know that I'm only four jockeys done, three jockeys done uh, six in a row in 300 years. Obviously, it's uh, so good and Richard in the 40s, Alex Russell, I don't even know when, and Willie Carson done in the 1990 when he won the first six in Newcastle. So I thought, well, if I... It, looks, it looked like a match race with me and Pat Henry. And I, say, I, I started getting nervous because I, I'm this close of, of equally the record, you know, 300 years record. So I, did, I was tense and uh, things didn't go to plan because I was meant to stay behind. And basically, Philly was called Lock Angel. She, she got a run on me and I couldn't stop her. And I found myself in front. And anyway, lucky for me, she kept going and I won. So I was, uh, that, that was a tremendous... You know, satisfaction on my behalf of a great, I really, I've been remembered now that I achieved something really important. So that was part two of my day. And then obviously we come to part three of my day was the seven. Because the, not in a million years I thought those was going to win. Even I. Uh, those was out of form. He, 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 didn't, he didn't win for a year. He had top weight. He was 12 to one. And I thought, and, and I remember walking to the, to the paddock for the last one and everybody's cheering and they all patting me on the back. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> and, I, and I glanced at the, the, the betting board and it was 2-1. to one. I was shaking. I'm thinking, is everybody mad making this horse favor? He said, he can't win, you know? And luckily, he was, he was a front runner, so it was easy to ride. And uh, the two mile races in front of the grandstand. And as I cantered the horse to get to, to the starting gates, I got a standing ovation. 40,000 people were great. I was like, 
blowing, you know, my chest was sticking up like this and I was milking it all, I was waving everyone. Really enjoyed the moment because in my heart of heart, I thought, well, I'm not going to let this race spoil it because really, basically, it's a 12 to 1 show, he can't really win. So uh, let's enjoy it, forget about the pressure. And probably, that's probably one of the reasons why those won't because I rode it with, you know, I didn't let the, 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 the pressure get to me. I was very chilled and I made the running. And uh, long race, two miles, you know, past the clubhouse turn, we're down the back, we get to Swingley Bottom, that's a mile to go, and then we start, we start to climb towards the winning post, and, and you see the, the markers, you know, with the numbers, you know, as you pass them, so six, five, I thought, well, I get to the three, I'll kick, you know, four, and then I got to the three, so I started to winding him up, and obviously, uh, is the, the, the Asco bell, you hear the ding, 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 ding. And then you turn for more, and uh, the cr- I could hear the crowd, and woof, they all started screaming. And it was a constant scream for the last two furlongs. And all I could hear, it was Pat Cameron. I could hear his, his smacks, you know, chat, chat. And it, it was coming, it was coming. And, and poor Fuji, Fujiama Crest Morse, he was, it was, bless him, he was knack, he was cutting top ladies. Tongue was sticking out. I was knocking too. <laughs> and we crossed the line and I didn't know what to feel, I'll be honest. With you. I was exhausted. I didn't really realize the man- magnitude. And I remember walking back and there was people spilling everywhere. They're on the track, on the edges, on the they're all over balconies. They were everywhere. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, so, it was so surreal. It didn't, it didn't even feel real. You know, the, everything was like, uh, it was cloudy, got a little bit dark, and people taking pictures. And of course, I jumped off and I was shaking my head, and then I was dragged everywhere. Everybody was pulling me in every different direction, and I did a million interviews, and I had to stay back for another three hours to sign everybody's race card. So it was a free, free event for me that day, and uh, I didn't know what to think. You know, I, I go in the car, I close the door, my head was still buzzing. And uh, actually, my, 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 which is now my wife, was my fiance then. She drove me to one of her friends 21st. Well, I didn't want to go. And we ended up having an argument. And uh, we drove home and we, 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 we pulled each other's duvet and we slept back to back. And actually, I went to bed in a bad mood, actually. <laughs> well, really? So, typical. That's uh, a typical then so I woke up this morning I'm jumping out of bed I'm flying I couldn't wait to get the papers I used to get my papers delivered in front of my house and uh, and uh, I don't know if you watch Notting Hill when the moment when when your man opens the door and all the paparazzis are yeah, outside yeah. and I'm in my underpants my t-shirt and open the door and there were three deep cameras ITV and everything and they all taking pictures and I went to get my newspaper boom I shut the door quick like shit she says what's going on here so I had to ring my manager to, to come and save me but it was you see it changed my life from then basically you know no only race it was in the back page it was in the front pages and I didn't realize what actually happened I, I moved the stock market boob makers lost 40 million on the day Punters around the country's won 40 million. So it was like insane. It was absolutely insane. And up to these days, Liam, I get people coming up saying, oh, I want 5,000, I want 10,000, or you pay my holiday, you pay my new car. It's amazing. I mean, it's really, you know, uh, it really, really stuff for dreams. You know, even now when I put the tape on, I don't even 
begin to imagine that I did that, you know, I was really mental. Is that the greatest day of your life? I know you're a family man and you, and you married the beautiful Catherine after that. Uh, but is that the greatest day in your life so far? Uh, in achievements, yes. I don't think I'll ever top there. Obviously, um, I managed to win the Derby, um, you know, and all the other big races, DR. But I don't, I don't think that the, the uh, magnitude of what achieved that day, you know, obviously, you know, they, they put a statue there for a reason. They usually put a statue when you're dead. So, so, so I'm well forward. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and at the time it was... Uh, a world record to win seven out of seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that. But like I said, up to this day, I really don't know how it happened and why it did happen, but I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. Do you think it can ever be broken? Uh, well, now that the, obviously after this Corona minus, we have, um, we, have, we have 10 race cards, so who knows? Uh, up to last year, I mean, the maximum was seven or eight. So, but now with, with 10, we'll give someone a chance to do it, you know? So, uh, listen, the records are there to be broken, but I got there first. So, three-time championship jockey, 500 group race winners. Uh, I have no idea how many winners you've had in your career in total. Do you, do you know? Uh, I, I, in England, over 3,000. Overall, about three and a half, three and a half thousand. So, if, uh, you know, if you think about it, if I, if I ride between 20, 25% strike rate, I probably raced around... 15,000 times. So they're quite big numbers when you think about it. Absolutely. Uh, incredible. I've been going on for a few years now. Yes, you have been going for a few years. Before we get to your, your age and, and, and how you've been going. So look, we've got to talk about Ascot. You absolutely love Ascot, don't you? Um, you've got an incredible record there. You won for the first time in 1990. Yep. Um, and then you, yep. you've gone on to win 73 races there and including a hat-trick, you know, on the last meet on the last day. Um, is that your favourite racing day in the calendar? Well, Asco has always been good. I had my first group one there in 1990. Obviously, I'm equal second with Pat Edry on winners in Royal Asco behind Leicester. You know, obviously, eight Gold Cups, seven King Georges. So, he's, he's always been a good, um, good hunting ground for me. I love the place. I come alive. Uh, he's, the, the track suits my riding. Uh, I really love it. I feel, you know, I feel you know, I guess like Roy Keane went to Old Trafford, you know, I feel at home, I feel great, the fans get behind me. It was a shame this year we had no fans, but last year when I won the first four at the Gold Cup Day, I mean, I thought the grandstand was going to come down. It was electric, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, you know I've got to say, he's the, my favourite track, you know, uh, Ascot, and it always will be. How different is it at the moment with, with no crowds for you as a jockey? And how's the other, your stable mates, how do they feel when, they, when, they're, when they're racing? Is it completely different? Uh, Liam, I must say, you know, I'm a person that I, I feed off the crowd. I, I, you know, they, they get behind me. I get the adrenaline pumping. And uh, it was different. It took a while to get used to it. I remember the first day at Royal Ascot. I mean, it was just, it was very hard to pick yourself up, you know. Uh, I think I had three espresso just to get myself geared up. Uh, is, you know, of course, now we've been doing it for a couple of months, we, we got used to it, but, but it's not the same. My sport and the crowd go hand in hand. Yeah. We, we, we need the crowd. So, uh, you know, hopefully it won't be long. I think we're going to do a, a pilot uh, uh, in September, I think, with the crowds. It was meant to happen at Goodwood last week, but obviously we had... Um, a uh, few cases uh, in the country, so they decided to give it another month. 
So hopefully, slowly, slowly. I mean, in France, they started to get the crowds in. Obviously, I was in Germany last week as well. You know, we have to be cautious. Uh, football has been the same. And uh, but you, at least we are racing, you know. Uh, but hopefully, this won't, won't stay here for long. I want to talk about a horse which is quite special to you, uh, Enable, uh, three King Georges on her. How, how special is she to you? Well, I went to see her this morning. I go to see her most mornings. She loves Apollos, so she usually has a, has a full pack. Look, she's been in my life for four years. You know, I, I, why do I love her more than the others? Because she has taken me emotionally to where other horses haven't, you know. I, I mean, to win uh, two arcs, three King Georges. And and she's a star, you know. She's uh, she's got that presence, uh, and she knows she's good. And uh, we all love her, you know. She's spoiled rotten, but quite rightly so, you know. She achieved that, um, you know. Than any horse that I rode in my career haven't. Uh, you know, we're gonna try again. You know, something that has not been done with before. Winning three arcs, we came close last year. We were second. We we only got two months left, so let's enjoy it. I'm. Uh, I'll dread the day when she's going to leave the stable because she's been part of my life for four years. Uh, but she's been a superstar. And, uh, you know, you know uh, my career, I'm not going to carry on riding forever. And to find one like her again, it'd be very hard for me in my, in my, in my life. In my life Do you have a, a routine every race day that you, you, you followed over the years? I um, obviously, no, I mean, it's no secret. I'm 49. So uh, it's funny. In, in my sport, you compete in. Uh, and I compete with people that are less than half of my age, you know, twenties uh, in the thirties. So I do, uh, I do try to. Uh, I go to the gym once a day. Well, I do an hour in the gym every day, so I can keep up with the with the, with the young boys. Um, and that's the routine. Uh, and you know, just I, I study the form uh, the, the night before or the morning of the races, and. Uh, you know, obviously, I've got 30 years of experience, so uh, I do a little bit of homework. But I usually let my instinct to take over and do the rest. Uh, it generally works that way. You touched on your because age. You touched on your age. How do you keep so physically fit and mentally fit uh, to produce such a high level and consistency um, over the years? Uh, right now, do you, do you still believe that you're going to win every race? Uh, listen, I'll be honest with you, Liam, the most important thing, you've got to love what you do. Otherwise, there's no point in doing it. I love what I do. Uh, I love the horses. I love competing in the races. I love competing with my uh, colleagues. Um, that's what keeps me young. Um, I, uh, I, and now I know, I know how to, uh, what makes me tick. So I call a lot of the ride. I mean, in my, in my younger days, I used to ride 1,200 races a year. Now I'm, I'm down to about 200, 250. Uh, I try to keep selective yeah. because that way it keeps my mind uh, more focused. And, and, and it's, you know, the, the less you ride, there's less chances of falling, less chances of getting hurt. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, my age, when I do fall, I break. Not because I fall any different. It's because my bones are harder. They don't flex as much. So I have to, I have to look after myself. And, uh, and but I think the key thing is... is really enjoy what you do and i do love it i do love it it's, it's been part of my life for over 30 years uh that's why i do every day you know by the racing post and i even if i don't ride i watch it and uh you know i go to the stables and i uh, again engage with my trainer john gosden and we have plans and 
yeah, it's, it's part of your life. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what keeps me young. Would you have done anything differently in your career? Uh, well, what was changed in my life, obviously, in 2000, I had my plane crash. And then uh, that changed my mentality a lot. I, I became more, I enjoyed myself a bit more. Uh, I gave a bit more time to the family. Uh, you know, I would say if I didn't have that, that crash, I probably would have been more focused and I probably would have broken more records. So, uh, but, you know, that's one thing, you know, I, it, it wasn't my choice. That's what happened in my life. Perhaps if I didn't have that plane crash, I could achieve more on my writing career but is what it is I'm, I'm i'm still alive and thank god for that yeah for sure 100 percent um what would be the best advice you would give to a young jockey at the moment that would love to be the next frankie dottori well the device is uh, love what you do you know love the horse because that's the most important thing if you've got the love for them and love what you do then uh, obviously it goes without saying you've got to put hard work you got to listen a lot and uh, and try try uh, what suits you. You know, uh, there is not a uh, a uh, complete book to say how to become good or how to you know same in any sport. You have to try yourself what works for you, and uh, and then take step by step. But I think the most important thing is to have the passion and the love of what you do. I think that if you start with that, you're halfway there. So would you say passion and loving what you do is, is, is the most important thing and the reason behind your success or could, would you pinpoint something else? Is it, is it pure, I would purely say dedication? That. I, I, I would say that you've got to have the passion. You know, obviously everybody tells you, you know, you've got to put in the, you've got to work hard. Of course you've got to work hard. It's not going to come from the sky. But I think if you, have, if you work hard, you have the passion and you want it, uh, that's, you're halfway there. And finally, what's next for Frankie Dottori? I mean, hopefully there's not plans to retire, but, you know, you, meant, you mentioned your age and, you know, you, you, you like spending time with your family. What, what's next for you? Well, obviously, look, uh, in, in the near future to, to me, the, my biggest achievement that, that I'm going to try to do this year is try, try to gain able for, for the ARC the first Sunday of October in Paris. So that, that, that's a big thing to, to, to keep me going for the next two months. And uh, hopefully I'm going to carry on as long as my legs permit and uh, my mind still wants it. So I, I, have, I, haven't, had, uh, I haven't got a fixed uh, date or when I'm going to stop. One thing for sure, I'm not going to go into training. I haven't got the patient. My wife said uh, I've got a um, um, concentration span of a flea. <laughs> so that's the training out of the way. I probably would um, do a bit of work um, on TV, commentating going down that route uh, because that way it keeps me involved in the sport. But uh, at the moment, I have no plan to retire. And I've got to ask you about the, the scenario that nearly ruined your, complete, your career completely, uh, Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> I did, it's, like, it's like doing a month in prison, basically. It was different. Uh, I... Funny, I thought I was a bit weird, but when I went to Neil, I thought, actually, I'm quite normal. Everybody's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an experience, let me tell you. Frankie, I love speaking to you, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, you inspire me, and you're going to inspire so many of my listeners and people that are watching Posh Cotney TV. I wish you all the best, and hopefully Enable gets you over the line for, for that goal that you've set. And thanks once again.
I'll see you at the football, Liam. Thank you, pal. Cheers, Frankie. Thanks, Bye. thanks everyone. Bye.